This is an audio recording of my interview with Steve Cohen held on May 16, 2021. It's part of a new series to complement our salons in which, instead of talking about markets, we focus instead on deepening knowledge of our inner reality. Hope you enjoy it. The Prophet said in every craft, seek the expertise of the experts. And so I'm really grateful to you for taking the time to share your wisdom. I'll give him my best. I don't know about being an expert, but I'll give him my best. You know, last time we spoke, I shared with you how I find myself less interested in people's opinions and more interested in the essential truths and beliefs that guide them. You know, our opinions change. What we think about the markets can differ from one week to the next. What doesn't change is how we live our daily life. And I feel with everybody focused on the outer world, what I want to explore with you is to deepen knowledge of oneself. Um, so I've got a bunch of questions that uh, I hope to explore with you. Um, sure. First being like, you know, you've been trading for 50 years now. When does it become easier? When does, I'm not sure it ever becomes easier. You know, I think mentally maybe it becomes a little bit easier because you kind of been through so many different experiences that you kind of know that whatever you're going through at the moment, it's a moment in time and things change. So you got a little perspective, perhaps. Um, the day-to-day, perhaps, um, doesn't get easier. You know, it's probably, probably more competitive than it's ever been, right? I mean, things move faster. Um, the, brain, the brain power in the industry is probably as, as strong as it's ever been. Um, so from a competitive standpoint, it's, 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 it's more difficult. Um, so as someone who's been around for a long time, I've got to work harder to keep up from that standpoint, but I have wisdom. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, I look at, you know, look at, look at markets maybe differently, was trained differently. Um, maybe that's an advantage, maybe not. And so, um, you know, I, 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 there are certain times when I think it is an advantage because I've seen stuff. I know how to handle uh, volatility in ways maybe uh, uh, more an- analytical people don't know how to how to deal with it, and um, uh, but from a um, I just think from a day to day if you've been around for a while if you if you don't have perspective after doing this for forty five years when are you, when are you going to get it okay so I've got perspective. So how do you start your day like what's your morning routine from the time you wake up till markets open? Well, you know, during COVID, it's actually been a little bit easier, right? Because my commute is 10 feet from my bedroom to my office, which I kind of like. And so, um, you know, I typically, you know, I, I have to get my sleep. Okay. So I'm not getting up and looking at markets in the middle of the night if I can avoid it. Um, I tip, typically get up around 645, 7. Um, I hang with my wife for about a good 30 minutes. We turn on the news. I don't run out. You know, I, 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 you know, I'll look at my phone, my Bloomberg, just, just to see where it is. And so if it's really moving, maybe I'll get up, but most of the time I'll just hang with my wife and we'll just uh, start the day watching the news and I'll hit, I'll hit the desk around seven 30 and, um, check out the markets. I get a morning call during, while I'm, I'm in bed just to hear what's going on. Uh, you know, most of the time things aren't that critical, you know, from a day to day that I have to do something so impactful. 
Um, I've set my portfolio up that that way where I don't have to, you know, be trading all day, all night. I try not to trade in foreign markets myself because I value my sleep and I've hired people to do that. And so I've tried to make my life a little bit easier. So I'm essentially trading U.S. markets and and uh, farmed out everything else. Uh, so I get to the desk and, you know, I'm I'm. Um, I'm IMing with all my portfolio managers, getting updates in all their sectors, what's going on for the day. Um, I'm perhaps doing a meeting with my management staff. You know, we do a risk meeting eight o'clock every morning, uh, getting an update on what's transpired. Um, I've gotten reports before that, so I'm ready at night before dealing with any issues that we have to deal with. Um, I'm the CEO of my firm, so I'm, I'm, I'm wearing two hats. I'm the CEO and I'm also running a portfolio. I spend most of my morning dealing with the portfolio, uh, making sure that he'd go for the day, uh, which means just making sure I'm up on all the news, making sure that I'm, uh, any new ideas are in the firm. Hopefully, um, um, you know, I've read them or, or uh, I've talked to my portfolio managers and analysts on what's going on. Um, I'm running less capital than I used to. So a lot of this just keeping in contact with what's going on in the firm and, and then farming out the exposure to, to uh, we have 150 different portfolio managers across the various asset uh, you know, strategies. So, um, you know, I, I'm not taking it upon myself to, to, you know, I'm not the focal point anymore. And I've built it that way, you know, because that's a real business. So I'm just trying to keep myself in the markets so that in the conversations I have with my uh, portfolio managers, it's a substantive conversation so that I'm, I'm up to speed on what, just what they're doing, how they're thinking. And so that I, I pick up things, I, I see, I can help them in how they think and perhaps help them in how they construct their portfolios. And so, um, you know, I want to stay in touch with the markets, but uh, the reality is the firm's a lot bigger than me today, which is actually very liberating, which is why I'm, you know, uh, maybe it helps with perspective, back to perspective, right? So, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel liberated, free, I'm able to do what I want. And, uh, but it's been that type of market where my, maybe my skills come to the fore. And so, um, so, you know, it's, um, markets are, you know, every day is dynamic. And so that's what makes it interesting. I mean, I've noticed we always speak on the weekends. So do you take time off or have you ever pulled yourself away from markets? I really don't. I, you know, weekends, I typically, I mean, I'll, you know, I typically do my uh, running my firm. I'll, I'll do my calls with my various uh, management team, let's say Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings. Um if I'm driving somewhere, I'll call them for 15 minutes and see what's going on. Um, and um, I'll do my Sunday night calls with my PMs, you know, find six to eight of them and talk to them about their ideas. But usually I'm pretty free otherwise during the weekend. You know, obviously now I own a sports team. I'm heading to the game today. And um, I just had a, uh, a breakfast with uh, somebody who, who uh, is building a uh, titanium mine and trying to build a process to uh, refine that titanium someone introduced me to. So, you know, so I, I use my weekends to meet people, 
who do different things, um, kind of expand my horizons a little bit um, and um, spend time with my family and my wife and, and uh, um, you know, uh, try to live more of a more full life. But it's hard to get away from markets. You know, your portfolio doesn't know that you want to take time away from I mean, it's going to move regardless. So you can't pretend like it doesn't exist. What we find across elite performers is that they're operating not just at a level that most people find difficult and don't aspire to, but it's a totally another higher level that most people don't even know exists. So when you think back to that, Steve, yes. what were you doing that other people would find crazy? What was that passion and obsession that sort of right. drove that performance? Well, I think I crept up in, you know, on, on the, the hedge fund industry, we were doing it in a different way. Um, when I came into the markets, you know, most people were, you know, it was the sources, the, the Julian Robertson, sort of this, you know, very analytical. We weren't that analytical. We were trading and the markets were, I entered right at the beginning of the bull market in 1992. That was an eight year bull market. So we certainly had the wind behind us. And we weren't, weren't running a lot of capital. So you could trade and, you know, get a lot of velocity with your capital and generate real returns. And so, um, um, yeah, we, I think we, we um, showed a different way of doing things. That I think people then said, what the hell's going on over there? And tried to emulate to some degree. And, you know, any, any listen, the way it works, any any strategy you're going to get copied, and and that's what happened, you know. And, I, and eventually, people spawn off from your your original firm, and they set up their own firms, and and that's just the way it is. Competition comes in any industry and dilutes returns over time. So so we were doing it a little bit differently, and and uh, uh, it really came from my own background of trading. You know, I trained myself, and so it wasn't like I had come up with this incredible strategy. It's the only thing I knew. And, but I was good at it. And, and so I taught people how to do it within who uh, had come to train with me and work with me. And so we developed our own style that uh, had worked for us you know, pretty well in the 90s. But I also realized that that style was not scalable. And so to scale, we had to morph into something different. And so, and become more traditional if we wanted to scale our assets. And yet retain that sort of style of velocity of not, not, I would say, trading on a daily basis, but retain that ability to move in markets. And so, um, so we morphed into sort of some combo of that and um, retaining some of our old uh, ways of doing things, but also, um, you know, expanding into new areas that we and expand our repertoire. And so, um, you know, I, I felt pretty strongly that to continue to, to succeed, we had we had to morph and that we had to change. And uh, I used to drive my management crazy because I used to want to tear down my firm while we were doing well. And they just go crazy. Like, what are you doing? And I just felt like because I always felt like I, I kind of felt like where we had to get to. And, um, and everyone just kept saying, well, we're doing well. Why do you want to change? And I just said, because I know this is, we're not going to get to where I want to get to. 
And so I think I've torn my firm down a few times over the years to get to where I thought we needed to the next the iteration of the firm. And, um, you know, that that's worked for me. That's uncommon in the industry. So where does that instinct come from to evolve? I'm just restless. I, I can't help it. Right. I mean, I'm never I'm never satisfied where I am. And it's not because I'm just not un, I'm, I'm not happy. I just see things and I say, I, I we can do that. You know, like we can go from here to there. Like we there's no reason to stop here. And and, um, you know, it's just a um, just to be able to do it, you know, like it's not about making more money. It's not about it's about, you know, we can accomplish that. And because and, we have the capabilities of doing that. And listen, I look around the industry and I watch what other people do. And I, I, the beauty of the industry we're in is we can all root for each other because it's not a it's not like a, uh, a zero sum game. Right. I mean, economies grow. I mean, I can root for I can root for Dan Loeb. I can root for Dan Sunheim. I can root for everybody. Right. I mean, like because just because they're making money doesn't mean they're taking it away from me. You know, and so but if they're doing something new and different, just like I'm doing something new and different, I'm going to look and go, wow, good for him. You know, what are they doing that? And is that something we should consider? And so I'm always looking around just saying, wow, you know, is that something we should be doing? Or is that something that I might say they're good at it, but we shouldn't be doing that. From your, you know, early nineties lessons, were there any risk management rules that you sort of adhered to from then onwards till today? Like how do you avoid losses? Well, listen, you're going to lose money. Okay. Like you're going to take risks. You're going to lose money. Okay. I think the three things is liquidity, leverage, and concentration. Right. Those are the three rules. If you're in a liquid stuff, that's a problem. If you're using too much leverage, that's a problem. And if you're too concentrated, that's a problem. Okay. So doesn't mean that, you know, if you have one of them, maybe it works. If you have two of them, uh oh. If you got three of them, you know, you're whistling past the graveyard. And, and so, I mean, you, you, the markets are you just you've seen a hundred examples. We just saw it with the guy from Asia. I mean, like it works until it doesn't, right? Like, what's the strategy? What was the exit strategy? I don't even know what it was. Like, how was it? How was that person going to get out? And and so, you know, I, I've seen it over and over again. Um, you just have to be careful. It has to be something different you're doing on a daily basis when you look in your well. I mean, your clearly, I, clearly, I'm not. You know, at, at that point, I was trading a lot. Okay, and so you know, I mean, I was taking losses, but I'm always worried about. I don't look at my winners. I look at my losers. You know, as I'm losing money, why am I losing money? I'm focused on my losers. I'm not, if I'm making money on something, I you know, I'm good. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm focused on why something's not working. And try to figure out why. And it may be that it's just, you know, it could be part of a, uh, you know, some sort of factor move or sector move that I actually think is wrong and I'm willing to hold on to it. But I'm focused on my losers. Am I missing something? Okay. Is there something changed? You know, am I, uh, and, 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 and that's where I focus on. And, and if I feel like something's changing or I feel like I don't know why, you know, I, I, I will reduce. Okay. I mean, just because someone, you know, I, I, I get a lot of work from my people 
uh, analytical work, they're only right 55% of the time, 52% of the time, right? So, I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, they're not like right 80% of the time. So, you know, I've got to sit there and use my judgment, right? And see what the markets are telling me, right? And, you know, and, and listen, I can always come back to that name if, if I feel like uh, things have changed and, or, or the timing's better. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, I use my eyes, you know, and I, I look around, see, see what the markets are telling me across asset classes. And uh, perhaps uh, I, there's better uses for my capital. So I'm always focused on where the portfolio is not working. What does gut feel mean to you? Well, gut feel is more than gut feel. Okay, it's your unconscious working, right? It's something that is um, triggering thoughts that are more than just, it's your eyes, it's your brain, it's, it's your intuition, it, it's your experiences, it's, you know, that you're picking up that is more than just, uh, you know, a, a balance sheet or a, uh, an income statement or some uh, some recommendation, right? There's, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's not just uh, something that just blows past you. It's, it's, you, you can't, you, trade when you're, when you're running, when you're sitting in front of screens all day, it's, it's a, it, you've got to, your brain is working. You got to listen to what's going on in your brain. Like what's the, what's the conversation going on there? I mean, are people aware of the conversation that's going on in their brain? What is it? Is it fear? Is it, you know, I'm going to lose money? Is it, you know, um, are you ignoring what's going on and, you know, what your real thoughts are? Are you waiting for someone to tell you what to do as opposed to acknowledging your own thoughts and your own um, beliefs? Um, you know, that's the internal conversation that you really got to get a handle on. I think it's really important and I'm really aware of it and really aware of the mistakes I might make really aware when I might sell something when let's say I'm drawing down and I need to reduce. So which positions do I reduce? Do I reduce the easiest one or the hardest one, right? Like in the one that's working versus the one that like, these are the conversations you have in your head. Like how do you, you know, these are decisions that matter. And what's the conversation going on in your head and how are you going to deal with it, right? And this it may get, really gets down to knowing yourself and knowing the mistakes that you make, the common mistakes and, and, and avoiding them, right? And doing it and knowing and being aware, right? I mean, and, and I'm not sure everyone's aware, right? I mean, or I mean, I, I, I deal with this all day long. You were the first, uh, at least from what I've seen amongst the first to really see the value of coaching your traders, hiring coaches to work with your traders. And yeah. you've also noticed through hiring PMs over the years that the, the biggest roadblock is usually themselves. So what are some common pitfalls that you've seen? Well, you know, I think um, people sabotage themselves. You know, people are afraid of success. You know, why? You know, you can have some people really bright. And somehow they just somehow when you get to the end of the year, they just haven't somehow performed at a level that they expect themselves to. People have a funny way of looking at the world and the way they they cut the data and that they, they are um, they're not honest with themselves. And 
because they're not honest with themselves or that they are um, uh, maybe not looking at things the way the world really is as opposed to the way that uh, they want the world to be. You know, it gets reflected in how they run their portfolios, right? I mean, this is a, this is a conscious fight on a daily basis. I mean, these are, this is the internal war that people have to fight to get to what the truth is and ultimately what success looks like and, you know, how you get closer to success. And, and you know, the more truthful you can be with yourself and the more that you can be reflective and, 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 and get to, you know, real transparency with yourself, the more likely that you will fix the problems that you have and deal with the issues that you have so that you can, you know, perform at a level of maximum performance. The more you're willing to ignore it, the more that you're willing to blame the outside world for your problems. You know, it's the market. You know, you always hear people say, well, the market, it's the market. You know, like, what the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. You know, like, as opposed to, you know, what did you do to, um, I mean, the world's going to exist whether you like it or not. Like I always say, you know, I got to live in this world. I don't create it. Okay. Like, you know, the world's happening. Okay. What are you going to do about it? And, and it's amazing how people attribute outside forces to what's happening to them as opposed to being accountable and dealing with it. What would be a glimpse, Steve, of your experience in March, 2020? And more specifically, you know, how did you manage your mental and emotional state through what was probably the most volatile period in history? The more volatile it gets, the more calm I get. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, managing the firm. Uh, if you ask people how I get in those periods, I get very calm. I get very thoughtful. I actually get more involved. I actually enjoy it. Okay. Like that's, I take it up to another level. You know, when things are going well, you can kind of, you know, be a little less uh, serious, right? Think, you know, I mean, you're just doing well and you don't have to, you, you, you can enjoy it a little bit. But when things get serious and that's when you really got to take your game up a notch and really be thoughtful and, and, and uh, uh, be fo- I, my focus goes up. Okay. And I, and I actually get very calm in my decision making. Um, I don't panic. You know, when I'm losing money, I'm okay. Like, you know, I, I don't, my relationship to money is not critical. Like it doesn't throw me. It's a really about making decisions that make sense. Um, I don't know why I'm that way. That's how I'm wired. So um, I always hear stories about other competitors and other firms and how they make decisions. I seem very reactionary. I seem, you know, I'm the opposite. I seem very like I, I lean into it as opposed to, I kind of enjoy it to some degree. I think it's kind of fun and I embrace it, you know? And so, uh, um, and th- listen, we we're drawing down like everybody else. So it's not like we're sitting there in, in good shape. Typically when you have drawdowns early in the year, those are always the toughest, right? Cause you have, you don't have any profits to offset them. So you're really like behind the eight ball and, and, um, um actually it's two years in a row we've had that because we had the in january we had that wild stuff with gme this year and last year i was you know with COVID, so uh you know that happens and that's part of the gig and and uh um so i i get very calm in those situations and, and very thoughtful and i, I kind of like it 
I, I kind of get into it, you know, like it gets my juices going. Is there anything you do to um, manage your state to like claw back? Well, listen, you can't make it all back at once, right? So you just have to, you got to have perspective, right? It's still a long year ahead. So how do you handle a losing streak and get back on track? Like how do you protect your confidence? You know, when you go into a slump, you have to identify why, okay? It, have you, it, has your process changed at all? Or is the, something changed that you haven't identified yet? And so weekends are really good times to think about stuff because your mind's a little more free. I think we're in a regime change here. And, you know, the types of names that are working are not names that typically I've looked at over the last few years. And so, um, you know, and that's typically what happens when you get changes. It takes a while to adapt to the new world. You know, I'm trying to think about, okay, what's changed here? Okay, like why, what's happening? You know, is there something I can do about it? Do I need to kind of change my focus a little bit? Become, you know, start looking at other types of situations just to start to, you know, become a little bit less uh, uh, narrow in my focus. The You know, just be, make sure that I'm not perhaps, uh, you know, get involved in other types of situations so the portfolio is a little bit more well-rounded. And um, um, and so trying to add, seriously be analyze why it's happening and be thoughtful about it as opposed to just attribute it to, oh, I'm not working hard enough. I'll work an extra two hours. I'll get on the call. You know, yeah, those are all, all good things. Get on with my portfolio managers, you know, try to, um, you know, maybe be a little more focused. So it's just capturing, you know, you know, making those little shifts to, to, uh, uh, I'm human. Does it impact your confidence as well though? No, you know, I, I, you know, it would have to be a significant, uh, drawdown over months and months for me to really get, you know, where, gee, did I lose it? You know, I, listen, we're all human, right? I mean, we're all, I mean, I'm going to be 65 years old, right? I mean, I, I can imagine a time like, hey, the game passed me by, right? I guess I guess we're all think, you know, as we get older, we're all thinking that, and and I'm motivated by that. Okay, so I'm always trying to look around the corner, trying to think about what's next. You know, like I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm less excited by running a portfolio, more about what's next for the firm and what how to what's what what to build for the firm that that's interesting like i've finally decided i've got to get I've, I've done a deep i'm doing a deep dive into crypto i'm fully converted and i know i'm gonna i have an old saying at at the poker table you got to pay to learn hmm. you know there's no way around it you can talk all you want but you got to get in the game and you know it's I'm hopeful that we'll be able to start building something within 0.72 in addition. And um, we're in the process of starting to think about that. And, 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 and so um, it's an example of throwing myself into something. The timing is the timing's never good. You know, who knows? I don't know if these things are going to go up or I mean, forget Bitcoin. I don't care about Bitcoin. I, I care more about the technology, technology behind the blockchain and and uh, how transformational it is and how disruptive it could be 
and and I feel like um, you know the, the the way the way the those markets are developing could be a real interesting adjacency to what we do at point seventy two, and so um, you know I, I'm not missing this. I'm not going to miss this, and and uh, I very feel like I missed you know the first part of it, but I don't. I still feel like it's early. And uh, um, it's an example of wanting to look forward and, and um, take some risk. Um, I may look foolish initially, but, you know, you size it accordingly, learn the game. And then, uh, you know, when you're confident, then take it to the next level. You said something recently, Steve, which uh, I really enjoyed listening to. You said training, trading doesn't define me as a person. No. I'm sure that wasn't the case for the Steve who was in his 30s and 40s. So when did you come to that realization? And what does define you now? Well, I think I realized somewhere along the way that actually the skills I have are actually, I always thought my skills were narrow. But they're not. Like, they're actually... Um, my ability to look at situations and kind of ask questions and kind of ferret out what's going on. Um, I can take in almost pretty much any, anything. And so I've kind of expanded my horizons, which makes, makes it a lot more fun, you know? So now I'm doing lots of VC stuff, uh, not just because it's hot, but because it's interesting. Um, yeah, obviously the baseball stuff has been, uh, you know, I mean that, you know, that's just, that's just for fun, but it's a whole new world of new, whole new language. And, you know, it seems pretty like, well, that seems pretty pedestrian, right? It's baseball. What's the big deal? It's complicated, you know? And so, um, but I, you know, the, the way I, I think about how the questions I ask my portfolio, my, the analysts, the way I interview people, all this stuff that I developed over the years is pretty applicable in other situations. And, I, and so I'm able to kind of realize I can use these skills and they work. And so I feel a little bit like, wow, I, you know, I'm, I feel like now I can expand my horizons in lots of different places. And uh, so I'm not defined as just a trader or, you know, a hedge fund guy, but, you know, now I feel like I can explore lots of, different areas and feel like I can be competent in those areas, which is kind of fun. What's something you've learned about yourself in the last 12 months? Hmm. Well, without question, I don't have to be in the office. Hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, how phenomenal is that? I mean, I got to be in the office because, you know, absentee ownership does not work. Okay. But I don't see myself in the office more than two or three days a week. Um, which is really liberating. Um, there's no reason for it. I can run my firm from anywhere. Um, communications are fine. Um, the reality is I have people all over the world. They never see me, right? I mean, I've got offices and, and, and so it's already running that way. So some notion in my head that I had to be there on a daily basis, is just not true. And so, um, so that's pretty liberating. And so uh, th- I think that's the real message of the last 12 months. What has become more important to you 
after the pandemic and what has become less important to you? Well, you know, I would say I've really enjoyed spending time with my wife. We had the best time during COVID. I mean, just me, just hanging together. I mean, like, you know, I guess a lot of relationships were um, defined during this period. We've seen a lot of couples break up and you either really enjoyed it or you really didn't. You know, it was a real test and uh, we really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, and and uh, which is another reason why I want to make sure I spend more time here and and less time in the office. I think I can do my, you know, run my firm from, from home and uh, I'm okay. I, you realize how much of your time gets taken with silly things, right? And how much, that's the one thing I'm lacking is time. I need more time to do all the things I really want to do, not the things that people want me to do. And how I get trapped by uh, people needing my time in in situations that perhaps are not the best use of my time. Having a little bit of separation like that gives me the ability to map my time out a little better. What area of your life are you busy improving and why is it essential to you? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would say... Um, I would say learning new things, exploring. Um, I really enjoy meeting new people, listening to them. Um, you know, having that time. I mean, COVID really gave me that opportunity to be free to, you know, most of them obviously during, with Zooms, but having that ability to kind of, do some interesting things that maybe I would have been caught up doing other things. Um, so, um, you know, I, you know, listen, I like exploring. I like, uh, I like, um, you know, what's going on in the world and how it, you know, it all, all this stuff ends up coming back to the hedge fund and, and to how it affects my thinking. And uh, the older I get, the more I want to be a little bit more of a thinking about what's happening in the world on a more global basis, get my head out of the screens. I think that's the killer is having your head in the screens all day. You know, it's so you just miss the forest from the trees. What are the main choices, Steve, that made you who you are today? Do you have any wounds? And let me explain that, right? So like Tony Robbins asks this question, whose love did you crave growing up? And when I think about that, for me, it was my father. It was my father because he was exceptionally busy. He was a, he was a successful right. entrepreneur and I rarely got to see him. And we were four sons. Right. I was number three. And so because I craved for his love, I wanted to speak yeah. to him in his language, which is, which is what really made me overambitious, strive, work really hard to get his acknowledgement, to see me. Funny thing is, you know, uh, even now, I haven't gotten that acknowledgement, but I love him. But if yeah. it wasn't for, you know, the, the role model that he sort of set for me, if it wasn't for that sort of wound, and I say the wound, not literally, but more poetically, right? Because as Rumi says, the wound is where the light enters you. And so I've been, and I realized this, that I've been really chasing, striving to get that acknowledgement from my dad that, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, he hasn't said that, 
or he hasn't just like patted me on the back. That keeps me going, you know, to at some at some point reach a point where I can sort of um, just get that acknowledgement, just get that sort of uh, love in that manner. And like, and it's really I realized at some conscious level, at some at some subconscious level, I made that choice that that's what's going to drive me, and I'm grateful for it as well because it's given me what it, you know and put me in this in this position. So that's an example of like a, a wound that I think about, and I'm healing it now actually. Uh, after a long time, I found a book that I was looking for, you know, um, and it talks about how a man's life is shaped by his relationship with his father. Yeah. You know, and it's such a fascinating book that I'm reading now and it explains a lot. And right. so, so like when you think about this question, like what comes to your mind? Like, you know, what are some Listen, events? I, I, like, I, can, I can relate to that. I'm one of eight kids. All right. And I can remember my parents saying to me, you know, it's too bad you weren't in a family with just two kids because you really deserve a lot more attention than you get, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I just think, yeah, I, uh, I used to really, you know, my, my father liked to play golf and I used to love going with him just to spend time with him on the golf course. And if I played badly on the golf course, I would get so miserable because I wanted to show him like, you know, that was so important to me. And, and, uh, yeah, so I can relate to that, you know, like, you know, I didn't get the attention that I wanted. Right. And, you know, I was, listen, I was the best athlete in the family. I was probably the smartest in the family and it just didn't mean anything because yeah. I didn't, because, you know, it was like, they were just, you know, listen, I, I have seven kids today to, you know, from two different family, two different wives. And so, I, I mean, I remember when I was younger, just laughing at my dad. So that's ridiculous. eight kids now. And then he started laughing at me when he was, you know, he's not alive anymore when he was alive. And, uh, you know, having eight kids is just insane. Okay. You know, having seven kids and I know what it's like trying to spend time with all of them is, is, is really hard. Right. Especially given all the other demands of time and things like that. And so, so I can relate to the, to the, to, you know, wanting that time and, and wanting that acknowledgement. It's probably driven me, you know, to keep going, you know, like probably in the same kind of search for acknowledgement. And um, so maybe I've taken something that, you know, is that a negative or something? I don't know, is, you know, and, and, and turn it into a positive, you know, like, and now I'm hardwired that way, you know, and I do it because I, you know, now it's turned into just a, a desire to, you know, just keep, you know, just, just to be the best I can be no matter what, you know, you know, I see my, I see my friends and, you know, a lot of them are either semi-retired and they don't look happy, you know, like they don't look like they know what they're doing or have any idea what they, they sort of lost, you know, I feel blessed that I have this opportunity to, you know, have so many ways of expressing myself in the world. And so, uh, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, cause you know, I, I used to, I used to sit with my parents at the dinner table. I was the only kid that would do that and just sit with them every night at dinner. They would have dinner separate from us just so, you know, I could be with them. You know, and so, you know, I found my way along the way to get my time. And but that was important to me. So I get it. Yeah, absolutely. What does success look like to you? And how has that definition changed over the years? 
God, you know, I, I, you know, the way I feel now is like it's about generosity of spirit. Like I, like it's not success. There's no more success. Like when I don't even know what that is anymore. You know, like it, it's meaningless to me. It's about impacting people. My, you know, perfect example. I bought the Mets, right? Yeah, people say, well, you know, that's a vanity play. I wasn't sure I wanted to buy that, you know, but, you know, I did it. I said, if I can turn this team around, I can make millions of people happy. And it sounds hokey, but it's exactly why I did it. You know, like the magnitude of the amount of lives I could affect would be remarkable. And it's only baseball, but you can't believe how people are passionate about this. And, you know, so that's why I'm on Twitter. I mean, the conversations I have with, I mean, like, it's all about connecting. And, that, you know, that I could change people's lives in some way that's unique. And so, um, so that's where I'm at now. You know, like, I'm at this point where, like, I, I can be generous of spirit. And so I can do all these different things. And I think about them as how, how can I affect that person's life and how can I um, help them think about what's going on and how can I help them accomplish? Like even in the my firm, I run my firm. Like it's not like I give you capital, you give me performance. I owe them too. You know, I owe them a commitment that at the time they're at my firm that I'm going to um, – I'm going to support them and I'm going to give them everything we have to make their experience as great as possible. And that's my, so it's a two-way commitment, not a one-way commitment. So it's about giving back to any way I can. And it doesn't, it's, you know, and, and yet I can have a successful business and a successful business life. And I don't have to earn every last dime and I don't have to, you know, it, it, it all works well together and actually thinks it makes for I'm happier. My employees are happier. Um, my life feels better. Um, feels more fulfilling. Uh, it actually, it actually, it's kind of a cool place to be. And so, I, you know, I love this age. I think it's amazing. It's an amazing spot to be. You know, like I, I can't, you know, like this is like wow. You know, and and so that's where I, that's where my head's at now. And um, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that. Wow. I mean, Steve, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Any parting words yeah. or, or advice for me? Well, you know, I mean, you know, we've gotten to know each other, Jawad, and I know you're on your journey. And uh, I know you're always thinking about stuff. And so that's why I enjoy our conversations, because you're spirit, spiritual and, and searching. And, and, you know, I know you're not, you know, you're not standing on your laurels and, and, uh, and you're always trying to move forward. So you're an inspiration too. So, uh, you know, keep going, keep going for it. That's all I can say, you know, cause it's the journey that matters, not the, re not the result. I wish you could hug it out, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I enjoyed it, Jawad. Thank you so much. Thank you so all much. Right. Really means a lot. Right. Yep. We'll talk soon.